Back to throw to Patrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the podcast I'm sure many of you have been waiting for, the quarterback preview edition of our draft shows, and who better than Benjamin Solak of the Draft Network? He's going to stop by to give us detailed analysis on the top four, as well as the rest of this quarterback class. And this interview It got very, very in-depth. All of that and more on this Monday, April the 13th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we are going to get to that interview with Ben here in just one second. But first, a couple of notes off the top here. I want to remind you Dolphins fans to check out our virtual draft on the Miami Dolphins official Facebook page. We're going to have player interviews, draft breakdowns, a live panel covering the draft from every angle for your Miami Dolphins. And the team, of course, that leads the draft this year with 14 picks, 14 selections for your Dolphins in the 2020 NFL Draft. That, of course, is Thursday, April 23rd at 8 o'clock. Eastern. And then once the draft concludes, we're not going to be done yet with that because we're going to have articles and podcasts and interviews and plenty of comprehensive coverage on all the new rookies heading to Miami in 2020 at the conclusion of this year's draft. So don't miss it. The Miami Dolphins virtual draft, April 23rd on Facebook. Now let's go ahead and get to the reason you're all here to hear Benjamin Solak break down this quarterback class. And this guy, if you haven't seen him on Twitter, breaking down videos, breaking down players and prospects, he's one of the very best in the game. And he has charted all these quarterbacks all season long in 2019 and has a good grasp on who can do what and what system. So we're going to get to him in just one second. But first... There is obviously a lot of speculation surrounding Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, and Ian Rappaport on Thursday took to Twitter to talk about some of the workouts and the availability of those workout videos the quarterback put out into the atmosphere for NFL scouts and GMs to take a look at. This from Rappaport's timeline. He and Mike Garofolo sharing the story on this one. This is reading verbatim. Tua Tungavailoa participated in a one-hour-long workout with 55 scripted throws and another 20 throws in a dynamic drill setting at a local private gym in place of a traditional pro day workout. There were less than 10 people present for the workout. The health and safety guidelines set forth during the COVID-19 pandemic were practiced with everyone's health and social conscious in mind. The video will be distributed to all 32 teams per Tungavailoa's reps. It is that time of the year again where the draft news is going to come in hot and heavy from every single angle. Speculation, rumors, who's trading up, who's trading down. One thing we know for sure, we're going to get the ins and outs on the things these quarterbacks can do to be successful at the next level with my guest, Benjamin Solak of the Draft Network. So let's go ahead and roll this interview. You guys are going to love this one. And joining the podcast now is the senior, that's right, you heard it right, the senior draft analyst at the Draft Network and the author of Contextualized Quarterbacking, Joe Burrows releases on Saturday. The entire thing drops on Tuesday. I can't wait to read that on the Draft Network. He is Benjamin Solak. Ben, what's going on, man? You know, I'm doing well, Travis. Thank you. I appreciate you dropping the senior. Can't tell you how many times <laughs> I uh, I get dropped on a on a, like a radio hit somewhere. And clearly the, uh, the host is like just seeing like, you know, my profile picture in my bio and he goes to introduce me and he sees that senior and he like doesn't know what to do. And he goes, he's the, uh, 
a senior draft analyst for the Draft Network. And I'm like, yeah, that's the title, brother. Me and Ben were joking off air before the podcast, his Skype profile photos from like four years ago. So he looks even younger in that one. But you wouldn't know it from his football knowledge. This guy is a wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. Before we get into that, Ben, we had a chance to meet in person back in Indianapolis before the world got crazy. And that was pretty much the last thing that I did before quarantine. How are you holding up in these crazy times, man? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, like, it, it's it's very odd to be so thankful for the NFL draft. Usually by this time in the in the process, I don't care about these players. I don't care about these picks. I just want it to happen so I can go to bed and I can start <laughs> thinking about something else, you know? Eventually, you just get inundated with it. But, man, the, the, the league, I think, has really done a good job here in, in finding the, the safest way to do this while still doing this because – we really do need it. I really like, we really do. It, it seems foolish to say we need something that's not even really live sports. It's live teams picking players to eventually play a sport, but it's something new in the sports world. And, and, and you didn't realize how much you relied on that to just kind of get through the monotony of your day until you lost it. And that's kind of how that goes. And so I'm, I'm really excited and happy that the league found a safe way to get the draft done. Hopefully it's also virtually safe and nobody gets hacked and starts picking <laughs> kickers in round one, of course. But uh, we, I think we have a, a really good opportunity to, to put something together that will help out a lot of people who are struggling through this. So I'm safe, my family's safe, and that's tremendous. But it's really cool to be a, a very small part of what I think is an important event right now, which is the NFL draft in the middle of quarantine, giving us all something to talk about that isn't how crazy we're going stuck at home. Yeah, the back end of March and the first part of April flew by where the tournament, the NCAA basketball tournament would have been. And not having that, like that's when it really hit me that we just – you're stuck inside, but the best things to do, watch sports, in my opinion, is not available to you. So I completely agree. Free agency was a great break as well, even though it was only a couple of days long. But we're going to get into the weeds here on this 2020 draft class. But first, I want to ask you some general scouting questions, Ben, because I always appreciate the way you break the game down. You know, there's plenty of accounts out there that will tweet a video of a play and they'll tell you quarterback X throws the ball accurately here. But that doesn't really give you a whole lot of what actually happened. But you do so well to get into the design of the offense, the structure of the defense, and the process that brought us the result of the play. So my question to you, Ben, is with those really in-depth videos you do, and you guys can find those on his timeline at Benjamin Solak, when you're watching the tape or those clips, typically a culmin- are, are those clips typically like a culmination of what you think the player is? And how did you arrive at this place where you're able to see things that so many others really don't? Yeah, it, it's tricky. So there's layers to it, right? I think the first thing is which which play do you choose? And sometimes it's this is a really cool play. I want to talk about it. But most of the time it's I want to play that's representative of something I see frequently on film. Because I think the coolest thing that happens with those videos is when somebody who, who isn't a, a, a pro, who isn't an expert, who isn't a writer, who's just watching prospects because it's fun, goes back and, and, and you know responds to that tweet or quote tweets that two months later or three months later, however long, and says, I feel like this is what's happening here. And they can correctly identify it on that player's film later, a similar trait, a similar issue, a similar strength, whatever. Uh, so so I, I want to grab something that's representative of something that's common on the player and also something that's important to the evaluation of the player. Uh, you know, I, I think if you looked at like all the Justin Herbert 
videos in the world from a draft perspective on Twitter, 60% would be about his arm strength. And it's just not very interesting for me to talk about arm strength in a vacuum mm-hmm. because I, I don't think it's hard to, to see. I don't think it's hard to be, that ball was fast. Ah, that ball was far. You know, like these <laughs> are the, like, pretty standard stuff. Obviously, it's something you have to watch for, but I don't think it's something that's particularly educational. So the primary thing I want to highlight in these videos is an interesting event for the player uh, that I think is representative of their film, and you can replicate finding it in, in different games. Now, when it comes to having the information necessary to really break down a play, I wish it was an easy answer, and it's not. You you have to expose yourself to everything. Like, you gotta... The best thing I ever did was get on Twitter, which Twitter is bad for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but, and I, 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 you know, if I could get off Twitter, I would. Like, it, it puts gray hairs on my head. But the best thing I ever did, and I owe Chuck Booth, my editor at Section 215 back in 2016 for this, and I always will. You know, everything I get out of this job, I always go back to him saying... You got to get on Twitter because you have to get associated with the community and you have to expose yourself to the community because that's where you see seven year NFL vets happening to talk for 15 seconds about an offensive tackles pass set. That's where you see old coaches. That's where you see clips from college coaches. And this is where the information gets dispersed. You have to consume everything because the most important thing you can do in scouting, and, and this is the, the massive difficult hurdle to overcome, is you have to be able to talk about what isn't there. You have to be able to say, this is what should have occurred. This is what could have possibly occurred. This is what we expect to occur before the ball's even snapped. But while the play is going on, before you see the outcome, you have to be able to talk about the range of outcomes, the possibilities, what could be done. How do you know the quarterback should have thrown the check down relative to the deep pass if you haven't watched a ton of NFL quarterbacks in similar contexts make that same decision? You don't know what you're measuring them up against. So whenever... I, I make the videos and, and hopefully, you know, in, in things that I write and in scouting reports, you can find that I'm, I'm constantly trying to have a voice of he, he could have done this. He was able to do that. This was available to him, but he chose that. And that's not necessarily a weakness. Oftentimes it's just stylistic things. I like when I, I've been using Justin Herbert as an example. I constantly talk about Justin Herbert having more throws than other quarterbacks because with his arm talent, he's just got more at his disposal. He's got more things available to him. He can attempt things that Jake Fromm cannot attempt because of his physical tools. Now, he chooses sometimes to and sometimes not to, but it's important to discuss those possibilities because it helps us calibrate to what could have happened and what actually did happen. So the main thing in order to, to scout successfully is not to be able to say Justin Herbert is a better arm than Jordan Love, was a better arm than Tua Tagovailoa, is a better arm than Joe Burrow, like which is all true and good, but it is to say Justin Herbert could have done all of these things, he could have managed the pocket like Joe Burrow, and he could have thrown in rhythm like Tua Tungavailoa, but he elected to hold, hold the pocket strong, be strong, steady his feet, throw out of rhythm deep down the field. This is why he was able to do it. This is how the outcome of the play was. This is the sort of offense that will work in. This is the sort of offense it won't work in. You need to have all of this information, all of these outcomes at your disposal in order to accurately talk about how valuable a play is, what it was in context, what it brings to a team. So the most important thing is exposing yourself. Anything that you can watch, anything that you can read that talks about why a play happened, do it and continue to gain the knowledge, gain the knowledge, gain the knowledge. Then make your own assumptions, make your own scouts, scouting decisions, your own judgments, publicize them. And when they're wrong, swallow the pill and keep rolling because you just got better and you're going to get it right next time.
I absolutely love that answer for two reasons. One, you talk about exposing yourself. I've always called myself a football sponge. And you talk about being on Twitter. Like you said, there are so many great accounts that can tweet videos of prospects and tell you, here's the technicalities of what they're doing wrong or what they're doing right. But also just like watching different things on television or being a sponge on YouTube. Like for instance, I learned a good tight end blocking technique based on Luke Wilson trying to learn how to block at tight end on hard knocks one time. You just like always open yourself up to what out there for you and available. People have vast knowledge of this game and they'll teach you that stuff. And also just putting yourself in front of the screen because when I first started out, Ben, you made a mention back to 2016. I started a website called thirdand10.com where I charted every single quarterback's throws in the NFL that year. And at first I didn't really know what I was doing, but by the end of the project, I had a better idea, better feel because I had seen thousands and thousands of throws. So the time, the effort, I, I, I love it. I appreciate it. And it shows in your work, man. And with that, let's go ahead and get into this, the weeds here on these quarterbacks, not the draft quarterbacks yet. I want to talk first about Ryan Fitzpatrick because you talk about the options that the quarterback has at his disposal, and he was playing so well down the stretch. The offense was humming. You saw it against your Philadelphia Eagles, Ben, not to bring up a sore subject there, but you know, I say this all the time and it gets greeted with backlash that quarterbacks with cerebral aptitude for the game, the more they see, they're only going to get better as their career goes along. And so last training camp, when Ryan Fitzpatrick tells us, Dolphins reporters, that he thinks his best ball is ahead of him. I think he was right. Do you see that on his tape? Right. So Fitzpatrick is so freaking fun, right? And 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 what I think your reality is with Fitzpatrick is he doesn't look it because he's a, a bearded, Harvard, middle-aged wild man. I love it. But the league has developed towards his skill set, right? Fitzpatrick in 2019 had a top 10 intended air yards per next-gen stats. I think he was like seventh. And then he had a bottom five time to throw. He was third last in the league. I remember this because in 2019, he beat up on the Eagles uh, uh, for the Dolphins. And in 2018, he did it in in Tampa. (laughs) And it was the exact same thing. It was extremely low time to throw and extremely deep intended air yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick is an ideal deep rhythm thrower. Ryan Fitzpatrick will take a shotgun snap sit back on a three-step drop, and if he sees he has one-on-one coverage to the outside, whether it was to Mike Evans 2018, Devontae Barker in 2019, he's taking the shot. Because Fitzpatrick understands, listen, if I've got a 50-50 ball 25 yards down the field, that's got plus EV relative to like an 80% ball that's five yards down the field. For example, New England's in week 17, New England's got the best cover corners in the league. How's Miami putting points on them? Well, it's because even if they're low percentage throws, explosive plays will even the odds. It will even the seesaw for offenses that are potentially struggling against top defenses. So Fitzpatrick gets rid of the ball quickly, but down the field. And I said that the league has grown towards his play style. It certainly has. You know, this is the uh, the rhythm game in the 2000s, 2005, 2008 was the quick game. And the deep passing game was the under center seven step drop all the way down the field reading against too high safety game. Now out of a shotgun thrown against leverage one-on-one coverage outside the numbers, this is something that has become the standard deep passing play in the NFL as it's been adopted from college spread systems. That's a great throw for Fitzpatrick's skill set. So the league has grown towards his play style. He's an incredibly aggressive quarterback who still remains risk-averse because of how quickly he gets rid of the ball. So he doesn't take sacks. He doesn't fumble the ball in the pocket nearly as much as other quarterbacks who throw the ball deep down the field. We had Neil Reynolds of Sky Sports on the podcast last week, and he was breaking down uh, an interview that he had with Ryan Fitzpatrick one-on-one, and he put it perfectly, in my opinion— 
Fitzpatrick looks like a guy that won a quarterback competition from the fans to come out and play for a game. And he, he Fitzpatrick loved it. He agreed. He laughed about it. But he's out there getting the job done, led the team in rushing, had the big plays, explosive downfield aerial assault, like you mentioned, Ben. And with that, now let's go ahead and transition back towards the young pups coming into the league this year. There are a top four list in this draft that I think everybody is unanimous on. The draft network is unanimous on these guys all within the top 37 players on your guys' big board. Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. You touched on the arm strength a little bit there, but can you kind of separate these guys in terms of who does what the best and, and where might these guys come off the board uh, in just two weeks now? Yeah, uh, Joe Burrows, he's kind of good, uh, Trav. I don't know if you watched <laughs> him yet or not. I can play a little ball. Uh, Burrow will be right up there with Baker Mayfield as, as the most accurate quarterback I've, I've charted in three years. So I've been doing contextualized quarterbacking since the 2018 class. I started it as a result of the 2018 class and kind of the incredible amount of, of debate and, and, and scheme-specific questions that were on that class. Baker was the most accurate quarterback by far. He's one of the few quarterbacks that's been accurate on more than nine out of ten passes. Uh, Burrow's going to be another one of those guys. And actually, Jordan Love is accurate on exactly .901, uh, 90.1% of his passes, which is funny. Uh, but that Love's a different conversation. Burrow is going to go down as one of the most accurate quarterbacks that I've ever evaluated. Now, what Burrow brings that Mayfield didn't have was pocket management like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And, and and Burrow's elite trait is pocket management and poise. Burrow is never out of a play. When we talk about players who can extend plays, we typically think of Russell Wilson's. We think of Kyler Murray's and Patrick Mahomes's. And these quarterbacks have elite physical tools to break tackles, to escape sacks, and to run on the hoof, making throws on the run while still evading defenders. Burrow does have plus athleticism. You know, people, oh, Burrow's sneaky athletic. Yeah. Yeah, Burrow was like an all-high school <laughs> state point guard. Like, Burrow's been athletic since the beginning. What Burrow has is pocket management. Burrow does not need to break the pocket to extend plays. His uh, His vestibular sense so the understanding of where space is developing in the pocket where offensive linemen are going to end up pushing rushers how twists and stunts are going to develop to create space up when you're hitching up in the pocket it's sublime and for a, a player who hasn't started for more than two seasons it's ridiculous that he's this experience that he's this poised we typically associate poise uh, developing with maturity developing with experience the more time you spend in the pocket the better you'll get at managing it burrow stepped in uh, even 2018 his best trait was pocket management and 2019 he only got better so this is extremely natural for him to manage the space of the pocket so in a, in a timing based offense Burrow's going to be just fine he's going to be quality just like Tua would be because he can deliver the ball on time deliver it with accuracy understand spacing but even in a in a if you think of like a Tennessee style offense uh, a Los Angeles Rams style offense Green Bay Cincinnati I'm talking about the Sean McVay tree here where they're going to ask you to take five step drops from under center after play action and, and there's going to be two to three routes all developing deep down the field you got to be able to hang in that pocket for 2.5 2.75 three seconds burrow is the ideal quarterback he's the ideal candidate because he makes blocking for him so easy because he moves his spot so nicely so that's where burrow's going to be at his strongest and that trait translates everywhere no matter what offense he ends up in burrow's going to be able to make big plays because he's going to be able to last in the pocket for a long time and evade the first and evade the second sack he's more so a pocket passer and when he gets the comps to drew Brees, they're accurate because his ability to distribute short to intermediate in the quick game accurately and in rhythm is delightful i mean he's pure right i mean he's 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 steady you could set a metronome to this dude like he's just so consistent Justin Herbert is quarterback three for me, and I think Tua is closer to Herbert than Tua is to Burrow. I think that, that, that 
Herbert and Tua is more so of a tier than Tua and, and Burrow is a tier. Herbert has never been better than he is right now. And that's important to talk about because Herbert first jumped onto NFL radars in the back half of 2017. He had started for over a full season. It was his sophomore year. Oregon football was finally turning around. First year with Marcus Arroyo as his offensive coordinator. And he really started to show that that arm strength and that mobility was going to become NFL draft worthy. That junior season was up and down. He was going to be a first round pick, but it was up and down. There were question marks. His ability to handle pressure. He faded away from contact. His mechanics fell apart whenever the pocket started to get nasty it was up and down he elects to go back to school and he got better that's a really big deal that at no point in his entire career would his stock be higher than it is right now he has an absolute rocket oh my god like you watch this dude make some throws and you're just pissed off he gets me up <laughs> out of my seat i mean it's just silly Bo Billy. I, he's so much fun to watch because of the physical tools. This is a very similar player to Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming two years ago. Jordan Love, the final one here, quarterback four for me, and contextualized quarterbacking distinguishes between the two, and it's critical that it does. Accurate balls are catchable. He puts the ball in a place his receiver can make a play on the football, but balls with good placement are adjusted relative to defenders, relative to leverage, relative to yak. When you want to throw with good placement, you don't always want to hit a receiver right between the numbers every time, right, Travis? Sometimes you want to lead him down the field, bring him close to the line of scrimmage, bring him into the ground, force him to elevate. These throws require context. So right now he he is such delightful arm talent. He throws with touch like college quarterbacks typically can't throw. And that's so important towards grabbing him and developing him. When the dude gets outside of the pocket, he still has all 60 yards of the field to throw it to because he has such a natural release, such a smooth and explosive release of the football off of his hand. And he's got delightful deep accuracy. So I am so in on Jordan Love. And I want to take a quick detour right there, Ben, because one of the things you'll often see in scouting circles or on Twitter, whatever it might be, is that some quarterbacks, as you move throughout the course of the draft, might have to develop their game a little bit further as we get into day two and day three. I sometimes think those arguments lacked context. So when you talk about having a year to kind of grow and develop, I think that can be kind of a trope or maybe like a cliche thing for a fan mm -hmm. to say, or maybe even, you know, someone in the, in the industry to say, this guy just needs some time to sit and learn behind quarterback X. Yeah. Like, can you tell us what that means? Because we hear it so many times, like what, when a quarterback gets drafted, like for instance, let's use Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city. They already had Alex Smith who was playing good ball, limited quarterback, but he's, he was a good quarterback. They bring Patrick Mahomes in behind him, who is basically the keys to the Ferrari of the offense, but they develop him for a year. So when you draft that quarterback like Mahomes, you draft him. Is there like a set plan in place where you say, we're going to have him learn this aspect of the offense and OTAs. We're going to open him up to this in training camp. And then throughout the course of the season, he'll do this. And like, how does that work? I, I, I love the question. I'm so glad you asked it because I was going long there. Usually if I was ever <laughs> going to say something like he needs a year to develop, I would immediately parse that because we absolutely use it as a throwaway line and it needs to be discussed. Development is not the same player to player. Dwayne Haskins came out in 2019. I had a low grade on him. I was worried about Haskins. Year one starter, Big Ten, Urban Meyer, horizontal spread, throw the ball to the fast guy, let the fast guy do a lot of work, right? And Haskins had issues dealing with pressure and adjusting his reads pre-snap to post-snap that to me could have been prohibitive for year one play. This was a player that I believed strongly needed to go out and be bad in his first season. He needed to play because even though it was going to be ugly, 
experience was going to be the best teacher for a player like Haskins, who had so little experience at the college level. You had really a moldable ball of clay here. He hadn't been taught that much for that long. And with the Urban Meyer offense, as we know, the stuff he'd been taught was pretty fundamental, was pretty simple. So you got to get him out on the field and you can help build up his habits, build up his reflexes, what he sees and how he reacts to it fundamentally with your own offense in place. And that's a big thing right now for Haskins, having already changed head coaches in Washington, is that they've really got to start getting him on the right developmental path or they're going to lose that window to create his habits. Accordingly, I want a player to sit when I believe he has bad habits, I need to wean him off of. I need to take him off the playing fields so that he does not resort to the bad habits when things break down. I need to teach him new reactions to things like pressure, to th things like post-snap rotation, to things that always change at the NFL level, the faster speed of corners and linebackers, the closing windows. I need to teach him new reactions to these things because if I don't, he'll, he'll fall back on old habits and he'll never get away from them. If you guys want to find Ben's contextualized quarterback up on the Draft Network, Joe Burrow drops on Saturday. The rest drops on Tuesday, I believe, is the plan for the Draft Network. And go check out their entire website. They have every player across this draft ranked. There are player profiles, mock drafts, everything you could want at the Draft Network. We have Ben Solak here on the Drive Time Podcast here, your official Miami Dolphins podcast network. And those are your top four quarterbacks. I think most folks expect those four to come off the board at some point in the first round, night number one, Thursday. Then we get to Friday and maybe one of these guys could sneak into Thursday night but you guys have a big gap between Jordan Love at 37 down to Jalen Hurts at 77 Jake Fromm at 82 and Jacob Eason at 92 and then of course there's another massive massive gap but those three players I mean you could not cut these players with more vast differences than Hurts, Fromm, and Eason let's go ahead and get into their games Hurts, Fromm, Eason where do you see them coming off the board on draft night? I think in that order, uh, and, and hopefully it's the order we've got them in, so we'd like to see yeah. that for sure. Um, but I think that order is going to be reflected in the league. We walked into this season with Fromm as a pro-ready item, Easton as the developmental prospect of jour, and then Hertz as an unknown. And as seems to be the case with Lincoln Riley quarterbacks, uh, Hertz proved something to us across the course of the season. These cats just keep getting better under Riley. Hertz has improved as a passer every season at Alabama. It's like I said with Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, excuse me, improvement across the course of multiple seasons is a tremendous thing to see. Hertz accuracy at Alabama was prohibitive to NFL play. It wasn't NFL caliber. Now it's NFL caliber. Uh, one of the things I chart in contextualized quarterbacking is not just passing attempts, but also all dropbacks and what the response to a dropback was. Hurts scrambles more than any Oklahoma quarterback before him. That includes Kyler Murray, includes Baker Mayfield, more than any quarterback in this class, he scrambles. And critically, when it comes to pressure, one of the things that I chart is who's responsible for the pressure was it a blown block by the offensive line or was it the quarterback who had a blitzer he should be aware of you still have an incredible elusiveness tremendous escapability and so Hertz makes a lot of plays outside of the pocket the quarterbacks don't make in part because he authors them for himself he puts himself in those sticky situations but in large part because he's so athletic and he's got a good throw on the move Hertz represents a dual threat at quarterback. I think he's the best running quarterback we've had come out in the last five years, not named Lamar, right? And that's like Kyler and Trubisky and Josh Allen is a great running quarterback, right? Hertz is the best dual threat that we've had come out besides Lamar. Now, the 
passing threat isn't necessarily as great. But as we know and have seen at the college and pro level, when your quarterback has mobility, it adds a dimension that defenses have to deal with. So Jalen Hurts could be a late round one guy for a team that views him as a developmental starter. The player more likely to be drafted with potential starting ability is Eason. Eason was extremely first read heavy at Washington. It was a timing-based RPO-style offense. A lot of in-breaking routes and shallow stuff developing to the outside allowed Eason to get rid of the ball quickly. And much like Herbert, when you have such a strong arm, it allows you to hide some of the deficiencies that you might have later in the down, later into the play. Eason and Greg Cassell just dropped his scouting report on Eason. And one of the main negatives that he wrote on Eason was the tendency to bail out of the back of the pocket. Eason actually has really good tackle-breaking ability. He's got that Ben Roethlisberger framed in where just like, you know, a defensive end's like, oh, I've got him. And then he sees the size of Easton. He's like, oh, wait, like I don't. He's a big (laughs) dude. But when you you are able to break that many tackles, obviously you have good throw and the move ability with Easton as well. And now there's so much good stuff developmentally with Easton that he's going to be drafted and he's going to get an opportunity to start at some point. His arm is going to look great in camp. Like he can make every throw and then some. And the ability to, to drive the football on a line 30 plus 35 plus yards down the field makes him an ideal vertical offense thrower like this guy can hit seam balls in time before safeties arrive it's not a skill that most starting quarterbacks in the league have so he'll be developed he'll get an opportunity to start and a fight for a starting job in 2021 and for jake Fromm, he must remain the same uh from is a championship caliber quarterback at the college level he is consistent he delivers on time he is risk averse and he is highly intelligent at the nfl level he will be all of those things and he's got good lower body mechanics and got real quality upper body mechanics that's fine you can make a long nfl career about with having average arm strength you ask chase daniel how having average arm strength has gone for him across the last 10 years daniel is an extremely valuable backup quarterback because of his intelligence because of his mobility and because of his consistency from brings all of those things to the table and we saw chad pennington lead the miami dolphins to an AFC East title where his arm was basically put together by band-aids and scotch tape but it just didn't matter the guy could flat out spin the football and lead a football team and that's why they won so many games that year because of the leadership and because of the presence of Chad Pennington now you close that group of players out with Jacob Eason at number 92 and the next guy with a huge gap in between is another player at a Washington school Anthony Gordon out of Washington Mm -hmm. State go Cougs at 158 is he your favorite day three prospect I don't want to break your heart, but he's not. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, he's fun, though, isn't he? Yeah, he is. uh, we talked about him in Indy a little bit. Dude, I mean, he's just hilarious. And he takes the, he takes the shotgun snap. He doesn't even move. He just puts his Plants feet him, yeah. right on the floor, just straight upright, just seeing what's happening. Uh, Gordon is uh, uh, similar to a lot of the quarterbacks that have succeeded under the air raid model. He's slight of frame. He's diminutive. He doesn't have great arm strength. He has better mobility than a lot of people, I think, would would accredit him to because he spends so much time in the pocket. And he's very willing to take open space. The number one trait, an air raid quarterback, we hear air raid and we're always very impressed. The number one trait (laughs) you can have is just a willingness to throw the open mesh, just throw the open shallow cross. That's a running play in the air raid, right? Mm -hmm. It's a 99% 99% completion percentage is going to get four yards to running play. And Gordon does that and keeps the offense on schedule. What's really exciting about Gordon is the mechanics, right? He's got what you call longevity mechanics. We talk about throwing mechanics a lot in terms of accuracy, but the other thing it matters with is, is, is strain, is wear and tear. When you have bad mechanics, you're more likely to get injuries to your throwing shoulder, to your throwing elbow, to your throwing wrist than you are for other quarterbacks because you're putting undue stress on muscles that you shouldn't be putting stress on. Gordon's got such clean mechanics that you don't only expect him to be accurate in 2020, you expect him to be accurate in 2030 and probably not experience a steep drop-off in arm strength because he's already – 
just a modest arm strength player. It's not like he's going to lose that velocity with age. It's probably going to stay much the same. And he's going to stay extremely consistent with his release and with his accuracy. So there's a really nice longevity projection with Anthony Gordon. He's an air raid quarterback who's going to have to transition to the league. I prefer James Morgan out of Florida International as a developmental quarterback. Morgan also doesn't have great lower body mechanics. He doesn't have a great sense of timing. But boy, kid's got a rocket. We, we were able to see him at the Shrine Bowl just, you know, 70 yards with a hitch, 60 yards standing still. You got Charles Davis down at the field. Yeah, he knows Charles Davis talks to NFL teams. He tells one of his wide receivers, you go stand at the end line. He goes over to the 40 and just starts whacking them, <laughs> like like batting practice off a team, man. This guy's got a real exciting and special arm talent. He was two years of Bowling Green, transferred to Florida International, played for Butch Davis. Butch Davis called him the best quarterback he ever had. And you can see how the velocity allows him to throw guys open, especially in the intermediate areas. He's got a, a good knack for intermediate throws in breaking routes with a linebacker underneath and a safety over the top. You got to hammer that thing there in time, and he's able to do that. That's a really encouraging throw to see. I think that he has a lot of the limitations that you expect for a, a group of five quarterback with such a strong arm. But if you're asking me for the guy that I would take and try to make into a starter after pick 100, Morgan's my cat. He is Benjamin Solak of the Draft Network. You guys can get his quarterback or contextualized quarterback up on the Draft Network coming out your way in its entirety next week. You can tell this guy knows his stuff. He knows his quarterback position. He knows his game of football. Ben, we're going to have to get you back on after the draft if the Dolphins do get one of these quarterbacks we talked about because I want to hear the entire scope of the player and the fit in the system once we do get to that point. That's for another podcast, though. You guys can find him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Ben, thank you so much for your time today, man. Of course, Travis. I appreciate you having me on, man. Go Fins. Boy, how about that fire hose of information? Benjamin Solak, one of the best in the game. Love hearing his podcast, reading his work up on the Draft Network. He does a fantastic job breaking down these quarterbacks and really every position on the football field. And we are now just 10 days away from the draft, and we are going to have a virtual draft for you guys coming to you live on the Miami Dolphins Facebook page. Tons of good content for you all there. Don't forget to check that out. We have plenty more draft preview podcasts coming your way, taking a look at the defensive side of the ball the rest of this week. Have some more good guests lined up for that. We'll have a mailbag podcast here in the near future. We have another edition of the Throwback, the Finns Flashback podcast, taking a look at previous Miami Dolphins games. We have a poll up on Twitter right now. Should be closing anytime. Taking a look at either the Wildcat game, the 94 season opener, the 2003 Thanksgiving Day game in Dallas and also what's the other one on there the wild card winner Lamar Smith overtime touchdown run go ahead and make your vote we'll cover that next Thursday on the podcast but that's going to be my time for today's edition of the drive time podcast you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcast Spotify wherever you get your downloads from go ahead leave us a rating leave us a five-star review give me a follow on Twitter it's at Wingfield NFL follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins check out the fish tank and the audible podcast and of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.